Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. Yeah, I was actually invited to one of those big gigs that um, Tubbs did in Cork. It was a few years ago now, and I couldn't go because I was on holidays at the time. But it was because of the car that I drove at the time. I got invited to attend this. It was a mock-up Late Late Show with a pretty good guest list and a lot of fairly decent prizes. I'm not going to mention the dealer involved because it was all being funded by Renault, not the dealer. It would be unfair to name the dealer here. But it was, it was, and I couldn't go. I was away on holidays at the time. And I remember getting the email and I said to the missus, I said, look at that. I said, that'd be a good night out. But we're away, so it didn't happen. But he used to mock up Late Late Shows uh, for Renault in major, major Renault dealerships around the country. And according to the Irish Independent this morning, he got 24 and a half grand per gig. Nice money if you could get it. And get it he did, quite legally and above board. But that story is going to give and give and give. And I'm sure it's something we'll be returning to. Yesterday, they were all telling us how much they're paid. Claire Bourne, Joe Duffy told us how much he's paid yesterday afternoon. Miriam O'Callaghan told us how much she's paid and they're all very upset because by the sounds of it they've all looked they're all very very well paid particularly at that level of the organisation they're extremely well paid they're all very annoyed because of the what seems to have been the special provisions for Mr T of which more when it comes up in the news and it will again over the next couple of days come here speaking of big amounts of money There's something that you and I and all of us spend as a nation of people. You ready for this? Six million quid a day. If you exclude Christmas Day, which you can. So six million euro per day we spend as Irish people on this one particular thing. And it's not booze. And it's not cigarettes. And it's not fancy holidays. Six million quid a day. I'll tell you more uh, in a little while. But first, this is not something that comes up on the programme now for the first time. This has come up many times. And it only seems to get worse. Every time it gets worse, it becomes harder and harder and harder for people to find a GP. 
And Anne Hurley, you said that in Charleville over the last 12 months, it has become impossible to get a GP. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well. I recognise your voice. It's been a while. <laughs> it has. It has. Good. I'm still here. He's not drawn the widower's allowance yet. Good for you, Anne. <laughs> Finding a GP in Charleville become very difficult. It has become very difficult specifically since um, the last doctor retired. So since the 1st of May, um, it has been almost impossible for private patients to get a GP in the local area. Now, all medical card holders that were there in the last practice have been uh, taken care of. I was talking to the coordinator of the primary health care centres yesterday. They were all informed in March. They were all assigned a GP. So they're okay. But private patients are at the discretion of the GP. So if I was to move to Charleville with my family and look for a GP in the general area, where's the nearest one I might be able to sign on with, Anne? Adair, which is where we signed on yesterday. Adair? Yes. That's in County Clare, isn't it? No, Limerick. Limerick, sorry. About 20, Limerick. Yeah, about 20 miles away. Good God. We had tried uh, within a 20-mile radius of Charleville, every town and village that would have a GP, and all their lists were full. And there's a medical centre, a primary care centre in Charleville, isn't there? How many GPs are there? At the moment, presently, there's three, but they all seem to be working uh, as a separate entity. Yeah, well, most GPs yeah. are a private business, you see. That, yeah. yeah. Wow, and they're all, the so, books are all full. They're, now, their medical card is assigned, a medical card patient is assigned to the doctor, isn't that right? Yes, they're safe. There's no worry or problem there. Now, there seems to be some people that are complaining that, they haven't been assigned a doctor. So, uh, according to the coordinator of the primary health care centres, she has not received any complaints, nor has the HSC regarding that matter. Mm-hmm. You know, so, um, I don't know, it's just, I was going around yesterday texting people saying, look, we're after getting a GP and a dare. There might take on another two or three so they were all at trying again last night. But isn't it a shame that you have to go 20-odd miles up the road for something that you'd be able to walk down the town for when you have three GPs and a, a primary care centre? Now, you say in a Facebook post, and that the population of Charleville has increased greatly in the last year. It has. Now, I know people automatically are going to think... Um, Ukrainians, etc., etc. Yeah. But Charleville, yes, there are some Ukrainians in there, in here, and yes, they deserve healthcare as well as the rest of us. But Charleville has been become a commuter town for Cork and Limerick, mm-hmm. where property prices are a lot cheaper here than in other areas. Have there been some so, new housing developments come on on stream? There have. There hasn't really, but no? some properties have come on uh, sale, you know, and um, people are downsizing and moving. So some properties come, have come on sale. 
some apartments uh, have become available. How they've become available, I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, a huge increase of uh, population. It brings with it another problem, too. If you can't get registered with a GP, the first question that you'll be asked if you ring South Dock out of who's hours your is, GP? who's your GP? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, I wouldn't overly... Wor- There's a lot of people worried about it at the moment in the Charfield area. We have a walk-in clinic in Camalloc, which right. is five miles away. So they could use that. They can still use the out of hours doctor GP at six South Dock and all those. They can even though they're not registered with a GP. They'll still see you, yeah. Yeah, they'll still see you. So as I was saying to people, you know, don't panic. Now a lot of them are worried that they're going to end up being seen in A and E. You know that they won't be seen anywhere else. And to go to at this day and age, in this century. To have people worried about their health and their children's health, health is just unbelievable. Well, tell us, what's the population of Charleville then? I think Roughly. it's it's about three and a half, four. Four thousand, we'll say. 4, yeah, 000. and it's got four doctors, so we'll say one doctor per thousand. You know, so you're not going to be seen today anyway if you're part of the the doctor's clinic. You know, if you rang in, I'd like to be seen today. I'm very sick with 1,000 patients. You're not going to be seen today. Do, do you mean now a, a medical card person or a private? I'd say either. Either. Yeah. Either. Because if you have a 1,000 patients and your book, whether, whether it is a quarter, medical oh, and the other, you know, I mean, uh, someone was saying it's a two to three week wait to see the GP. Yeah. Mm. You know. I know you've been on to your, your local TD, Deputy Moynihan, there. What's he yeah. had to say for himself? Nothing. Don't spare the horses, <laughs> Anne, whatever you do. <laughs> All quiet in the Western Front. <laughs> no. Nothing. No, whether he didn't get to read, because I know. All the emails are gone through first by his staff. So whether he got to see it yet or not, I don't know. But I did contact the HSC in Dublin, and then I contacted the coordinator in Cork to make sure that I'd have my facts first. And um, but no, no uh, word from the man himself. But it's just unbelievable uh, the way the country's gone. Well, especially towns and villages. Well, we know there's a dreadful shortage of GPs. We've talked about it many times. Yeah. Here in the city, there's a shortage of GPs, let alone out in country areas. But a lot of people responding already. Um, Chris says, Anna's right, my GP now has a sign-up in reception saying no new customers. No wonder the GP shortage, says Katie. Asylum seekers need GPs too, and they get medical cards. They're afforded this when they arrive here. It's obviously going to have a knock-on effect. I've moved to South Tip. My GP is on the north side of Cork City. Can't get one in my area. Centre of excellence, my ass, says that message. <laughs> uh, Anne is right. I can't get a GP for my girlfriend. She's from Spain but lives here for 10 years and works here. It's very tough out there. Yeah. 10 years is a long time to be waiting for a GP. I mean, it was... 
so deflating for the last number of um, days, really, when I was trying every doctor's surgery within a 20-mile radius to get the same answer. Mm. No, no room and our books were full. It's just, just crazy. Yeah. And it's and just, like you said, you, you, you got someone in the end, but you'll have to go to a dare for it. This is for a loved one, not, not for yourself, obviously. <laughs> no, it's for a hobby. God oh, is it for, is it, he's, he's PJ too, isn't he, if I remember rightly? He is, he is. Now, I hate people blaming asylum seekers and non-nationals and stuff. It's not their fault. They were handed all this when they came into the country. They didn't ask for it. They were handed it. Yes. So they had to go where their government put them. It's the government's fault. Yes. So I wish people would get that kind of thing out of their head. It's the non-nationals. It's not. It's the government's fault. Well, I'm glad you said that. And the other thing we have happening is, and I've spoken to many doctors about this, plane loads of young newly qualified doctors, the minute they do their internship, the minute they do their couple of years, they do their bit of GP training and they're gone on a plane. Out of here. Would you blame them? I mean, if you go up to any of the hospitals and you have first-year doctors who are going to become uh, general practitioners, I mean, I wouldn't blame them to be gone out of this country, pay conditions, Mm -hmm. etc. here, Compared to what? No, not in England. England are in a worse state than us. That's true, a, actually, yeah. A lot worse state than us. I, I was listening to a, a phone-in the other night on, a, on an English radio station, and and this woman was at her wit's end. She was trying to get her husband seen. He's a diabetic, and his, di- his diabetes is, is unstable, and she oh. was very worried about it. And she rang his local surgery, he wanted to see his doctor. The man is 82. He yeah. wanted to see his doctor, not the other doctor. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and they said, Jim, the next time you can see Dr. So-and-so is in a week and a half. Yeah. A week and a half. Yeah. Crazy. And I, who I feel sorry for are the, the women in the area because they're the ones that have to pick up the phone and go through the phone book or the Google yeah. and try and find and a doctor we, for their family. We men are pure useless at that, I know. Absolutely. <laughs> totally. You totally. have to excuse that you're at work. <laughs> Come here, sweetheart. How are you, anyway? This is, for, for listeners who wouldn't remember, this is Anne Hurley, who has had ovarian cancer since about 1843. How are you getting on, love? <laughs> well, as I say to people, I'm dying away. I'm not doing <laughs> I'm I'm okay. I seem to be getting uh, surgery every year to try and keep me alive because it rears its ugly head every year. It's it's there all the time. Yeah, it keeps coming back, doesn't it? Yeah, Yeah. but they wait until the tumours get to a certain size that they're able to operate on. My chemo has been changed, so that's really affecting me now at the moment. Right. And um, I'm going in for more tests. Next week, I think. Are you a small bit shook at the moment, or are you dragging yourself along? I'm dragging myself along. Good for you. But sure, I still have to peel the potatoes. (laughs) You know. (laughs) 
And listen, you always were a legend, and you can, and you continue to be. And it's great to catch up with you. But it's sad, sad that people can't get themselves a doctor in Charlotte. I did many <laughs> other places. Great to talk to you. Give my best to PJ, won't you? I will, of course. Cheers, okay. Anne. Take, Take care, love. Bye bye. That's the great Anne Hurley. He got. I sp- I first spoke to Anne. Oh, it is a long time ago now. And she had the ovarian cancer and she was battling it and it kept going away and coming back and going away and coming back and going away and coming back. And I, when I heard her name and I said, she's coming on to talk about GPs, that's that Anne Hurley. And it sure is. But a, a legend around Charleville Way. There are three doctors there, or is it four? All their books are full. She tried Bosevant, Mallow, Kilmallock, Drumcollar. Someone here is saying, and Kevin says there's two surgeries in Newmarket try those ones. They're probably full too, Kev, but, but there's such a desperate shortage of GPs. And talking about shortages, medical shortages, I was again last night passing Mallow Hospital on my regular trip out to uh, my chiropractor out in New Pothouse. Yes, she is worth going that distance for, trust me. I know there's loads in the city. If this woman moved to Donegal, I'd go there. But I, I passed Mallow Hospital a fine, fine hospital. I remember the late, great Joe Sherlock fighting to keep it open. But Mallow Hospital is a fine hospital. And the saddest thing as you pass it is you see no emergency department. And you begin to think, every time I pass it, I think the same thing. That is a disgrace, that there's no emergency department for all of North Cork. you would be dealing with Butterfield and Mallow and Charleville and Kilmallock and wherever if you put an emergency department, a small emergency department, into Mallow Hospital. And just how many emergencies would you would you deal with? Do you know? And they have the side. I just thought, this thing is terribly sad. I just mentioned it, seeing as I'm talking to Anne, and I'm, that conversation is from North Carolina. I just thought it's sad. Very sad. 0818-96-96-96. A desperate shortage of uh, general practitioners. On RTE's pay, Tom says, would you like your wages divulged? What about the pay and pensions of politicians? Some have three or four pensions. Is there a table producer for politicians in the same way that RTE produce tables? Uh, There seems to be a lot more focus on RTE pay throughout the year than on politicians, but surely more light should be put on their pay. Politicians pay is focused on three or four times of the year. I don't know how many times I've gone through charts and tables of how much their pensions are worth. Any TD, you can look up their salary as a matter of public record. Same with a senator, same with a minister. You can look up their salary as a matter of public record. Their expenses are are published year in, year out. Um, the RTE ones are focused on. And for the 10 or 12 that we hear about in RTE all the time, there's hundreds of people working there for much smaller wages. Wages that are a fraction, small fraction, of what the likes of Tubbs or Joe Duffy or Miriam or any one of them are on. It's people working for a, fort or for a fraction of that money in RTE. But pretty much every salary that's paid in RTE is searchable because it's on the public record. Um, and anyone who works in a public job a social worker, a hospital doctor, a hospital nurse, a physiotherapist, anyone really, their salary is searchable. So, Tom, your point that you're making is pretty much anyone working in the public eye or paid for out of the public purse, their salary is searchable. Mine is between me and my employer 
because this is a commercial company, so it's nobody's business. Hi, PJ, my friend is 11 weeks pregnant. She lives in Yall, but has to travel to Clonmel for a doctor. She has no medical card, only a GP visit card, and no doctor will take her on, or her five-year-old, even though she's pregnant. It's a disgrace. If their books are full, their books are full. There's just not enough of them. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. A highlight of Glastonbury coming up in just a sec. A highlight that we would rather not have seen. It was very sad to watch, actually, to see what happened. Come to that in a sec. I asked you, would you know what it was that we spend, as people of Ireland, six million euro a day? A day! With the exclusion of Christmas Day. So I divided the year by 364 days as opposed to 365. Because it would be very hard to do this, to spend money on this, on Christmas Day. That's about 120 a day for every single one of us, assuming we have a population of of five million. What am, I, what am I talking about? I'm talking about takeaway food. This is published by Just Eat. They've published a food delivery report. And they say that Irish people in the last 12 months up to the time of the publication of this report spent 2.2 billion yo-yos on takeaway. Two, two thousand two hundred million euro on takeaway in a year. We order it nearly three times a month, and we spend the close to fifty quid. Now this is all done through their app, but for a population of five million, that's six million, six million quid a day on chips, pizza, noodles. Chicken? Whatever you're having yourself. Chinese, Indian, Thai. This list says sushi. No, I'm sorry. I'd rather, I'd rather eat my own eyeballs. I just can't do sushi. My son loves sushi. I can't do sushi. And I love fish. I love, if it's rims, I'll eat it. But, but God almighty, no. Please, no. Cook it first for me. Thanks very much. Can't do sushi. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Uh, pizza, chips. Chinese, Indian, I love an Indian, I love an Indian, and Thai food. Six million quid a day we spend on this stuff. <laughs> is, is it any wonder that our wastes are expanding at the rate they are? What's your favourite, though? If, if I said to you tonight, I'm going to, and I'm not, by the way, I'm not. It's all right, sales department downstairs, I'm not, okay, I'm not. But if I said I was going to pay for your lunch, your dinner, say your dinner if I was going to pay for your takeaway tonight, okay and it's all on me, on the house right, it's not, okay I'm pretending here where would you go, what would you get I, I know, I just know now I'm going to love it, oh I have a sloppy foley and chips I know that, somebody would have Chinese personally I would go for a house special curry uh, out of my local Chinese. How special with chopped red chilies inside in it? Because when I ask for spicy, when I, when I have a curry, I like it spicy. I like a kick off it, right? But I don't want spoons of powder stirred into it. Oh, no, no, no. 
What I want you to do is chop the chop the little chilies for me and fry them off in the wok with my food. That puts a lovely zing through it. But tonight, yeah, I would. I'd have a house special Chinese curry. House special curry with with rice. Yeah, boiled rice. Don't mind your fried stuff. Boiled rice. I'd have a hot and sour soup to start. Right? Hot and sour soup. You could trot a mouse across the top of it. And if I was ordering dessert, I'd be having lychees. Oh, yeah, lychees. If I was going for an Indian, what would I have for an Indian? Oh, an Indian. I'd have to have vindaloo. Chicken vindaloo. And it's not vindaloo unless it has potatoes in it. As far as I know, or so they say, I'd have vindaloo. Again, with me boiled rice. I'd probably have some onion veggies to start. And I'd have to have, and my favourite one, my favourite Indian, well, no, the best naan bread. The best naan bread I've ever tasted in my life is in Haveli in Douglas. And that is a totally free mention for Haveli. They have naan bread that is, it's like the size of a small duvet when you get the naan bread. And it's about as thick as a small duvet. Gorgeous stuff. Gorgeous stuff. But I'm going to, I'm not. But if I was to shell out for you tonight for a takeaway of your choice, what would it be and where would you get it from? 083 396 We have a travel update. There's a road accident on the N25 westbound approach to the Dunkettle interchange roundabout. Heavy traffic as a result. Take care on approach. That's coming in from Transport Infrastructure Ireland, Cork Safety Alert and Cork Bureau together. So there's an accident on the N25 coming in towards the Dunkettle Interchange. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. On your radio every afternoon with the biggest tunes from these guys. Hey, I'm Dermot Kennedy. Hey, this is Rihanna. I'm Miley Cyrus. It's a show that comes highly recommended. Asher, what's there to say? It's absolutely fantastic. Tell me, what would you give it out of 10? 12. <laughs> is that all? <laughs> 12 out of 10. I've got all the latest entertainment, everything that's happening in Cork, and the random stuff as well, just like this. I'm so Cork, Simon, I think. So make sure you're with me in the afternoons for pretty music, the best giveaways, and plenty of crap. Let me show you what it's all about. Check it out. Simon Murdoch, midday to 4 p.m. on Corks 96 FM. We have talked before. I'll get to the Glastonbury moment a little bit later. I need to push it down the track a small bit because I want to get to talk to Dr. Brian Cotter. We have talked uh, many times over the last couple of years about what you might call DIY, DIY aesthetics, as in going to someone who's not registered to get things like fillers and collagens and all those things. And a leading medical expert, medical director of the Sisu chain, Dr. Brian Cotter, has warned that there are an abundance of untrained practitioners and is calling on more regulation for that aesthetic industry. By an abundance of untrained practitioners, 
Brian, I'm going to use a word you might not use. Are you saying quacks? Morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? I, look, I mean, I think, like you said, this has been problematic for a long time. Um, what we're beginning to see is just an increase in frequency, an increase in intensity in terms of the complications that people are getting. And what we find across our clinic group, I mean, we have 16 clinics in Ireland, we have them in the UK, we have them in the US, but particularly in Ireland, there's an increased number of primarily young females who are contacting the clinic, attending the clinic with infections, with reactions, with you know, malplacement of something like a dermal filler. And in severe instances, we've had people come to the clinics with with blockages of arteries in their faces. And, you know, on numerous occasions over the last number, of probably the last 12, 18 months, we've had to send people to the emergency department. Wow. And we also have GPs who are contacting us. It's a very serious issue. James, uh, my brother and myself have written to the, to the Minister of Health. We've been speaking to the HPRA, which are the regulators, um, and basically, when we spoke to the HPRA, they said it's a legislation issue, it's not an enforcement issue. And then when we wrote to the minister, uh, Minister Donnelly, he said that it's it's actually an enforcement issue, not a legislation issue. So it's quite frustrating. And look, mm. the medical community in Ireland is relatively small, but in the aesthetic space, it's even smaller. And when we talk to our colleagues, we are really experiencing a large increase in in people coming in who've had these dermal filler treatments by non-medical professionals. And the yeah. big thing around a dermal filler is it's classified as a medical device, which means that you as a DJ could go and open a dermal filler clinic somewhere. And it's scary when you think about it. Where, where would I train, finding, Brian? I mean, in reality, PJ, you don't need any training. Often people go and do an online course or they do a one-day course, they get a certificate. And even, you know, if you look at things like Instagram, you, you'll see these profiles because I get hit with ads every day for them. And, you know, it's a profile and it says fully insured, fully accredited. And when you look at it, there's actually no medical training, there's no qualification. And I think one of the biggest risk factors in this is that people don't know what they're doing. They don't know when they've caused a complication. And even just to give you, uh, you know, probably within the last two weeks, we had somebody who attended our clinic who had a massive injurated infection in their cheek. And they had it in a non-medical provider. They contacted them. And this is this is kind of quite sad, actually. I felt very, felt very sorry for the person. She was then told that this is nothing to do with us. This is your fault. You put makeup on your face. And then they blocked her on WhatsApp, oh, blocked her on Instagram, and refused to take any of her calls. So then that, that person ultimately had to be sent to the emergency department. Because I, think, I, know, see, I, I know Sisu is yeah. medical-led, Brian. I remember Pat, Pat Phelan mm. telling me this back on day one. Sisu is always medical-led. You will always have access to a medical professional when you go to, when you go to Sisu. Exactly. I mean, the thing is, with James, myself and Pat, I mean, the, the clinic is doctor-owned, doctor-led. It's very structured. Everybody that works within the practices are medical professionals. They're doctors. And what we'll find is that, you know, there's a training aspect to it. Yeah. And I always say to people, you know, if something is cheap, ask yourself why. I spoke, to, I, I spoke to a consultant that, yeah. of mine a number of years ago, Brian. Uh, I won't say for what now specifically. But I was asking him about a procedure that I was thinking about. And he does it. 
the same thing. And he said, don't you go near. He said, I spend at least one day a month cleaning up other people's mess when I can. Is that what you're finding? Yeah. Yeah, but but I I think probably the biggest differentiator in that is that is that your consultant friend is is dealing with medical complications from other medical providers. What we're finding is that we have people coming in who have been to places where we don't know anything about it. You know, we don't know what the product is, and even in in a legislation piece, the only thing for dermal filler to be used in Europe is that it has to have a CE mark. And I've had patients come in to me with pictures of a filler, never heard of it. And when I do some research, it was made in China. It got a CE mark in Norway and it was injected into their face by somebody who had no qualification. It's actually, it's, it's frightening. How is this even legal? Point, I, it's, it's a legislation piece. It's, it's again, or rather the lack of legislation. Dermal fillers are, are classed as medical devices. It's classed as a grade three medical device. Yeah, but a, a medical I'm device, sorry to cut across you, but yeah. a medical device, yeah. in, in my understanding, is yeah. a, a heart valve. A, a replacement knee or hip, a pacemaker, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and a dermal and a dermal filler. There's different classifications and grades within them, and a, and a dermal filler falls into the into the medical device category. Wow. I know it sounds kind of odd. Botox is registered as a, classified as a drug, so in Ireland, it's doctors and dentists are the only two professions that can prescribe and administer it. And what we're calling for is just a, a change in this classification because I think if you don't we are going to be having a conversation in the not-so-distant future where a young person is going to have lost their sight, they'll be hospitalised, they'll have an adverse event and effect that will be permanent. You you talk of people coming who've had something put into an artery in their in their face. Mm. Like that can cause yeah. all sorts of complications. It, it, can, it can make you blind, PJ. It's the first thing, you know. It, it's often people are are a little bit afraid of Botox and fillers. They can be a little bit blasé about. Botox is probably one of the most researched drugs in the planet. It's incredibly safe once it comes from a pharmaceutical company and you can follow where the drug comes from and it's administered by a, a medical professional. Fillers are liquid gels and they're injected into the face. And, I, and again, what we're kind of seeing is a younger demographic because the prices generally within a non-medical provider are cheaper so you can get a lip filler for 300 euros or you can get a lip filler for 100 euros and what happens is that you know it's as you grow older and as you go through life you know your experience and your mistakes teaches you certain things and often I think an older older person will consider okay I'm not going to go there but when you look at the advertising with it, when you look at the comms with it, the Instagram piece, yeah. it's very directed towards a younger individual. I'll, if somebody injects a dermal filler into an artery with it, it blocks the artery, it decreases blood supply to tissue around that artery, and ultimately, you know, you either lose tissue. If it's going to the eye area, you can lose your sight. We're talking, we're, we're, we're talking scarring at least, and 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 often. You came across someone, I think, Brian, who very nearly did go blind. I did, yeah, I did. I mean, it was, it was, it was probably one of those moments for me where she was probably didn't understand the severity of it. Uh, again, a young female um, came in via a friend of mine who's a GP. She presented to him. He 
he doesn't know much about the aesthetic space and he just asked me look would I take a look at her uh, had an under eye filler typically we use cannulas with these which are like blunt uh, blunt instruments so you don't go into arteries and things like that she had it done with a needle in a tattoo parlor and that was actually the person that I was referring to that the product was uh, was made in China got a CE mark in Norway Right. And there was just this complete oblivious, you know, she wasn't aware that anything was untoward with it. And, you know, she came in, she had an infection. That's why she came in. But in reality, the placement of the product and how they did it, you know, if you were a centimeter to the left or a half centimeter to the left, that person would have had a very different experience. And, you know, they, they likely would have, would, have, would have lost their sight. And did you come across someone who'd had this stuff inserted while they were lying on a kitchen table? I did, yeah, yeah. Uh, these, these kind of house calls, um, it's, it's, it's insane actually when I think about it. So uh, we had somebody, we had a lot of clinics in Dublin um, and again, I was in clinic on the day and, and kind of came in, um, didn't really have an issue, was more coming to us for treatment because she had such a bad experience with, with, with this. Somebody, she found somebody on Instagram, um, and basically this person did a house call and she had her lip fillers lying flat on her kitchen table. Sounds like to- totally bizarre, but this is a really common occurrence. It's a really common occurrence. And, you know, we're, we're finding now that the legislation piece, you know, you see the Ministry of Health talking about giving warnings for people going abroad for, for surgery and, you know, facilities out there might not be as good as Ireland or the legislation. But, but I think, you know, you have to clean your own windows first before you go pointing at other people. And I really do think that they have to get a grip with it because if the legislation isn't brought in, the HPRA cannot do their job. The HPRA is a tremendous organization. Right. They're fantastically hardworking people. But they can only impose the rules that are there for them to impose, and there yeah, are no rules. And, exactly, and there are no rules. And it's frustrating for them. And, you know, you probably hear a slight frustration in my voice when I talk about it, because for us at the moment, it's, it's like screaming at the tide. You know, it's like going down to Fountainstown, screaming at the tide and saying, I don't want you to come in. And it's you have no control over it. And unfortunately, what's happening is that that wave is is getting bigger. I would love to say this is going to become a public health issue. This already is a public health issue. And, and it's and it's it's frightening at the moment. And you say that social media has questions to answer here because of we're so it's so important to us, or has become so important to us, how we look online. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, the social paradigm has shifted. I think, you know, whether you agree with the aesthetic space or you don't, you know, James and I always say to people, nobody needs what we do. What we're trying to get attention on is, is not the, the rationale of whether people get it or not, because it's their decision, but what we're trying to push for is a safe environment where if people are getting these procedures, they have them by medical professionals who are trained and qualified, not only to carry out the procedure, but to deal with a complication if and when it arises. And any doctor who's listening out here will understand that complications are a statistical probability. Anybody that says they've never had a complication hasn't done enough volume of a procedure. But what's happening, even the fact that non-medical people can do these treatments is one thing, 
And then when, when there is a complication, so the risk of complication goes exponentially higher yeah. because in reality, they don't know what they're doing. Then when they don't know what they're doing, they can't recognize that they've caused a problem. And this is common, like, you know, that's a bruise, don't worry about it. Um, you know, that'll go away in a few days' time. And what actually happened is it's a seeding infection. It requires antibiotics. It requires drainage. And even with things like a dermal filler, to reverse a dermal filler, we use a, a compound called uh, hyaluronidase, and it basically reverses the filler. That in itself is, is controlled, so, so this is the thing about it. You have people who are doing dermal filler treatments who can't reverse it because they can't get their hands on the product that's used to reverse it. Yes. And then in certain instances, I've seen people saying that, you know, they had it reversed. And then I'm a bit confused. I'm saying, well, where did they get the product to reverse it? And they're like, oh, I don't know. I see. And with, and with things like hyaluronidase, there's a one in 8,000 risk of anaphylaxis. Yeah. And that's that's like what? extreme hypersensitivity reaction. Anaphylactic so, shock. So, yeah, it's one in 8,000 for something like that. So, I mean, there's, there's like, this is like almost a Swiss, Swiss cheese model. You have all these holes. And what's going to happen is all of these holes are going to align perfectly. And there's going to be a person at the end of that. And in fact, I think it's going to be more than one. Because often when this happens to people, there is a deep sense of fault there's a deep sense of regret there's a deep sense of embarrassment and you know i've had before a 16 year old girl come into the clinic in cork with her mother in tears her mother kind of saying you know head in the hands what are you after doing and she had a lip augmentation she paid 75 euros for it and she had an abscess in her lip <sighs> Yeah, and that's, and that's difficult for a doctor to deal with because often as well, our insurance companies are now saying to James and I, they're like, guys, you know, if you have a non-medical person who did the procedure, you know nothing about the product, you can't really take over care because what happens is that you're drawing everything into this circle. Yeah. And then what happens is the, is the patient will have absolutely nowhere to go and it'll come to a point where it'll be okay, go to your emergency department, go to your GP. I have friends of mine that are GPs, we talk all the time, friends of mine that are consultants in emergency departments, I get text messages from them, what do you think I should do with this? And that in itself is going to put a major burden on the public side of the health service. Yeah. I'm thinking of all the possible complications here of injecting stuff into one's face that you don't know what it is and like you said could have come from China been given a C mark in, in Norway you don't know where it came from you have to wonder maybe the, what's the psychology of this here Brian have you thought about it at all in terms of why people in terms of why people why will take a chance run. like this with their face their eyes their lips uh, uh, I, I, I think the biggest thing with this is there's an age profile here you know James and myself discussed this an awful lot and you know for every person that walks through a Sisu clinic and I'll often say to me oh, why did you choose us and they'll say because you guys are doctors but for every for every person that's like that and typically they're kind of more learned I wouldn't say sensible, but they're more sensible in years. They'll come to a medical practitioner. And I mean, for us, you know, we just recommend going to going to any medical practitioner. 
as long as you've done your research with it. But I think what's happening is there's a younger demographic here that are extremely price conscious. And what happens is that, you know, for us to get your under eye filler done, it's 550 euros. But like, you can get it for 80 euros. Uh, it's, hardly, it's hardly going to go, be the they'll, same. They'll, it's they'll, hardly going to be the same. One inst- they'll, they'll go on Instagram, they'll look at it, they'll see it superficially, optically, you know, oh, that looks fine. And then they'll look at it on the little Instagram profile. It says fully insured, fully accredited. Sometimes there's a kind of pseudo picture of somebody in a white coat. And often when you talk to these people, I'm like, were they a doctor? And they're like, uh, I'm not so sure. And I think the psychology piece of it is that when you're younger, people will take proportionately higher risk without thinking about the downside of it. Yeah, yeah. Is there an age before which people shouldn't even... We hear of... There's a thing called sprinkles. It's a new one on me, but I think young girls are very interested in it. Uh, It's kind of a Botox, I think. I don't know what it is. You'll tell me if you've heard of it. Isn't it too young, though, to be enhancing yourself? Yeah, I mean, look, we always say, like, nobody needs what we do. It's totally irrelevant. If you had chest pain today, PJ, you need to go to the Mercy or you need to go to the CUH. Mm. The age profile piece of it, we don't treat people below the age of 18. If, for example, with things like a dermal filler, you know, sometimes you have people who've just come of age, they'll come in with a mum. Um, they might be looking for, you know, a non-surgical rhinoplasty using dermal fillers because it bothered them for an awful long period of time. But at that point, they're a consenting adult. And when we meet them, we really take our time. We slow everything down. We say, look, you don't need any of this, but here's how it works. Here's the information. Information is very powerful. It's the, it's the key component to any medical consultation. I think in terms of age profiles for injectables themselves, uh, it's dropped significantly. I mean, James and myself are doing this over a decade now. And, you know, initially the probably age profile was people in their early 50s, late 40s. Average age now for things like Botox is probably around 30 because people understand it a little bit more. I think the science piece of it as well, they they like the fact that there's efficacy in, in, in what we're doing. Like anti-wrinkle cream in reality is, like my mum was a big fan of anti-wrinkle cream previously, but, but it doesn't work. Yeah. You know, so that's why people are coming in and are having treatments. And I think the other thing in a, in a societal norm is we're desensitized to it. You know, you see it all the time, your phone, this person gets Botox treatment, this person gets that, it's become normalized. And I think probably the biggest thing we've seen is that people previously probably wanted to look less old, mm-hmm. now they want to look better. And I think that's the key, that's that's the key differentiator with it. Yeah, yeah. There's also, you can now get your profile picture for whatever platform you choose done up on AI so you look like you look like someone you were never meant to look like and and yeah yeah it's 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 there as well I think I think people's want to kind of look you know look better look different I wouldn't say different actually I think people just want to have a fresher aesthetic and a fresher look I mean I'm sorry no but the days of me ever going to be looking anything like Brad's Brad Pitt or George Clooney never, are, never, are well behind never me. Never, well behind never say never, me. PJ. <laughs> Brian. Can't, can't, can't improve on perfection, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I've enjoyed our conversation. Thank you very much, Dr. Brian Cotter. He is Medical Director of CSU, and they are now 
he won't use the term, he's too much of a gentleman, I'm far from it. Um, they are now cleaning up the mess made by quacks who have no training, no background, no knowledge of what they're doing. They're taking a chance. They're quacks. They've had one day an online course and they're sticking needles into people's faces. And Sisu, which is medically driven, is now cleaning up the mess after quacks. And sometimes they have to send them to the emergency department because that quack has done so much damage for a fast book. 0818 96 96 96. Where are we? Oh, yeah, we're doing this again today. Uh, there's an event coming up in October. It's the National Menopause Summit. And uh, here at Cork's 96 event, we're proud to be the official media partners for the National Menopause Summit of 2023, Friday, the 20th of October, uh, in City Hall. An agenda of knowledge and advice and support and uh, many other forms of content expertly curated uh, by a panel of speakers and much more. Tickets are available at nationalmenopausesummit.com but we have some tickets uh, to give away. If you can tell me, who is this? Literally. It was like somebody put a furnace in my core and turned it on high. And then everything started melting. And I thought, well, this is crazy. I can't, I can't, I can't do this. Who is that? One more listen. Literally. It was like somebody put a furnace in my core and turned it on high. And then everything started melting. And I thought, well, this is crazy. I can't, I can't, I can't do this. Who is that? Oh, your name and her name to 083 396 96 96. I mentioned fast food and what would, if I was buying, which I'm not, if I was buying tonight, what would you want? Emma says chicken satay with boiled rice and curry fries and some prawn crackers on the side. Uh, Telma wants to go to Kubo in Douglas. Crispy chicken with caramelized soy sauce and some plain rice. And Peter's given out to me. I said I don't do sushi. I can't do sushi. And I love fish. He says sushi's not just raw fish. It's chicken and vegetables and lots of things. I challenge you to eat some varied sushis on the show one morning. I've been challenged before and have risen to the challenge before. But I think I've given sushi a trial, Peter, because my son loves it. And I can't stand the stuff. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Pat wants a spice bag with no peppers from Lennox's in Ballyfahan. I had one Sunday night. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. The minds are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 FM. I'll come to that highlight of Glastonbury, which was a sad highlight. You never want to see it. And I kind of sat watching it and go, the poor devil. Would someone get him off a stage or do something to help him? And then the audience helped him. And they did a brilliant job. I, I felt so sorry for Lewis Capaldi. I'll get to that 
in a sec. Uh, brilliant gig last night, by all accounts, uh, by Florence and the Machine. Never seen her live. Wouldn't know too much about the nuances of her music, but she was brilliant. A couple of people from here were at that gig. My daughter was at it and said it was sensational. Night's Entertainment at Musgrave Park. They've one more gig there, haven't they? They've got The Prodigy. Is that the 28th or 29th of, of June to close the season? And as the summer seasons come to a close, some extraordinary gigs being announced for the Jazz Weekend in October. My pal Tom Keating is organising a few beauties. Tom is the man who brings some great shows to the Opera House, but he's got the City Hall for the Jazz Weekend. He's just announced this morning, Mac Fleetwood. They are brilliant. They're absolutely extraordinarily good. They're the Fleetwood Mac tribute. Mac Fleetwood. They're brilliant. Brilliant, like. If you know your Fleetwood Mac. 7 o'clock, it's an early show on Sunday 29th October has just been announced for the City Hall on the Jazz Weekend. I know it's a few months away. I'll tell you now, it's a few... I'll give you the number of days away in a minute. They've also got... Tom is also bringing in Tony Hadley, uh, the Spandau Ballet guy from the 80s and we're into the 90s as well. And he's got an orchestra coming with him for that weekend. I think he also announced another gig last night with Jenny Green. Super session of gigs coming up at the Jazz Weekend at the City Hall uh, later in the year. It's great to see live music coming to Cork and Tom Keating brings... He actually brings a load of gigs you'd never know about. So it's worthy of a mention. 0818 96 96 96. I want to come back to some of the comments on the shortage of GPs and not being able to get onto a GP practice books. We spent the morning, or we started the morning, talking to Anne Herlihy about the situation she has trying to get her husband onto a GP's books. Eventually, she had to go to Adair County Limerick from Charleville, about 20-odd miles away, so he could get onto a GP's books. All the GPs in Charleville now full, and we're getting loads of calls from around the county of people who cannot get onto the books of a GP practice. My friend is 11 weeks pregnant. She's in Yall, has to go to Clonmel. No doctor can take her on. My child is halfway through studying medicine, has been on placement in a few different GP surgeries. All of the GPs have said it would be madness for anyone to go into private practice. DJ says, Justin, you got to pay the doctors on a competitive rate and they'll come to get out of the US system. You need better facilities in all the regions and more ambulance services. I agree with Anne. After moving here, health cards and the likes were offered to us. We declined. We pay our bills directly ourselves. That's from Justin. My own tuppence worth and any doctor that I know I've ever talked to about this. The idea here that all GPs are self-employed private businesses doesn't help. If the GPs were employed by the HSE and working in clinics on a salary, I think it might be a lot easier because the GP, when they're self-employed, they've got to make that practice wash its face. They've got to make that practice stand up in in, in the books. Whereas if the HSE were to run the clinic, to run the medical centre and just employ the GPs on a salary, then life might be a bit better. Maybe someone would disagree with me there, but I, I think... I think that might work. Uh, and Bernie has another point. Have you noticed it's really hard to get to see your doctor now? They all want to do it online. Even when I go to get an in-person appointment now, I have to ask the receptionist 
And before she checked the diary, before now she would check the diary, now they just say it to the doctor and the doctor will ring you back with an appointment. I don't think it can go on because it's important to deal with things in time. Yeah, a lot of GPs would take a call now to do it over the phone. Some of them do video calls. It's nice, but it's not the same. It certainly isn't the same. I agree with Bernie. 0818 96 96 96. I will come back to food and the things you would like to eat in the fullness of time. But there were some great shows at Dastonbury over the weekend. Yusuf Cat Stevens put on a fantastic gig. Elton John, I, if anyone knows where the Elton John gig is to be repeated or where I might get it to see it and to save it because I missed it and I'm gutted that I did. But Lewis Capaldi was quite tragic. Uh, he got on stage to perform and you'll know if you watched the documentary a few months ago that came out on, on Netflix. Lewis Capaldi struggles with a couple of things, anxiety and Tourette's and having the two of them together doesn't help. And something happened to the poor chap on stage at Glastonbury. And it would seem that his Tourette's kicked in and his anxiety kicked in at the same time. And he lost his voice. On st- Can you imagine the mortification of losing your voice on stage at probably the biggest venue in this part of the world? moment. His voice just just went. And he says he'll have to take a break now again. Maybe until the end of the year. His And the documentary, if you go back and find it on Netflix, just look up his name. It'll come up. The Tourette's gets to him and then the anxiety kicks in and anything can happen. And there's a part in the documentary where he had to just stop because the voice goes. He can't hold a tune. He can't do anything. And that happened to him in in Glastonbury, imagine. It's called How I'm Feeling Now. Thanks, Ames. On Netflix. Um, it just happened to him. And the biggest gig, like Glastonbury, they don't get any bigger. And I felt so sorry for him as watching. I was looking forward to seeing him because I like the guy's tunes. And having watched the documentary, he's just comes across as such a lovely fella. 
So I felt so sorry for him, and the the, the crowd just carried him in a wave of love. It was fantastic. But it reminded us of a conversation we had here in, was it April or May? With another Lewis. Uh, Lewis Nickel. Uh, Northern lad. Uh, it was April 17th, around the time the documentary came out. Lewis goes by the name of Q-Ball. And he's an advocate for Tourette's. And a few years ago, he started making videos. And now, he's a major content creator and an advocate for Tourette's and for people talking about their Tourette's and been open about their Tourette's. And we had a great chat here one morning in April. Now, I'm going to play a little bit back, but I would warn you, the nature of Cuball's Tourette's is that he swears. A lot. And he can't help it. And we discussed that while we were talking. So you may hear some some fruity language. In fact, you will hear some fruity language in the next three and a half minutes. But it is, it's there for a reason. And I was asking Lewis at the time about how you deal with your Tourette's when it's part of your life that simply will not go away. With my tics, I, I'd be vocal and I would say things that I don't mean. Uh, curse at people, I don't mean to curse at people. And back then it was a lot worse vocally. Um, oh, hey. So I was scared of going out. I would only ever leave with family. And I couldn't live like that. That's, that's no way to live. You have to go out by yourself and do things for yourself. And about four months I sat inside and did nothing. And then I posted up a video of me reading uh, Dr. Seuss book so like all my friends could see this is the way I am now um, anybody in my local area could see the way that was and then people started hey go <clears throat> hey people started tagging their friends it, it, it ended up blowing up me beyond what I could ever imagine yeah. and uh, well, I, well I was safe to leave the house because people would recognise me and know that I had Tourette's when did you first realise something's up um, I went into school one day. I was I, I woke up, ball of energy that I just could not get rid of, and it started. Calm, hey, fuck off, go. It started off with like a twitch in my shoulder, and it, it was relieving the energy a wee bit, and then it just kept going and kept going and kept going, and I, I had no idea what was happening. And then I was sat in school, and it just wouldn't stop. It kind of turned into sort of spasm. And I got rushed from school back home and home to the hospital. Can we talk a little bit, Lewis, about the the ticks? And I I warned listeners before we started that, you know, some of what you say may be audibly inappropriate, but you have no control over what you say. It's like a blink or a sneeze or a cough. Hey, there's no real telling what's going to come out whenever I I, I tick out of my mouth. Like, I can't uh, make what I say nice. You know what I mean? No. Uh, it's like one in every thousand people that have vocal Tourette's end up getting a hang of called corporealia. And that is the cursing mm. side of things. You did a video about the five worst things about having Tourette's. One is trying to go on a plane. Whenever I'm on a plane, I do tech bomb. Mostly go, go hey, off. Mostly going through security. I remember watching your videos in the early days and thinking he's very funny, but I shouldn't be laughing, should I? Of course you should. If I'm laughing, why aren't you allowed to laugh? 
and still able to have the crack. And it's a great icebreaker when people laugh. Unless, of course, I'm having what's known as like a tick fit and I'm so exhausted and tired that I I, I just want to be curled up in bed at that point. Is, is that scary when it happens? Yes, yes, it, it is very scary. You, you know what's going on, but you've not a clue how to stop. You have no control over what you're doing. For people who are listening, Lewis, who are struggling to come to terms with a diagnosis. Try to stick with the people around you and stick to what you were doing before the diagnosis. Don't let it completely change you or else it will completely change, you know. They need to try and sort of get back on path and not be scared anymore. That's uh, Lewis, Nicole, uh, Q-Ball. And it's funny, you know, I was often thinking maybe he's someone uh, who Lewis Capaldi should sit and have a point with and talk through it because the lad clearly suffered some kind of tick fit on the stage the other night at Glastonbury. That's what you listen to Lewis to cue ball. It, it, you, you just can't stop it. You can't help it. You don't know what's going on and it, it's out of control. That seems to be what happened to Lewis at Glastonbury the other night. Sad. He says now he may not have to be able to perform again for a few months. He needs to take another break. Maybe he needs to, to meet that wonderfully funny young man from the north of Ireland uh, who we did but talk to back in April. That's a, That podcast is still up on, on our podcast if you wanted to go find that full interview which is about what, about 10 or 12 minutes long. It's still up on all of our podcasts. All of the interviews we do, all of the ones that you might want to go back over, you'll get them all. Uh, we put a bunch of them up after midday every day and then we put the whole show up in mid-afternoon. 0818 96 96 96 and seeing as we're talking about Lewis Capaldi and what happened to him at Glastonbury, let's have a listen to that song which is about his nana believe it or not Join the conversation Call us now 0818 96 96 96 This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan Coach 96 FM Talking earlier on this morning to Dr. Brian Cotter medical director of the CISU chain about my word, he doesn't use it he's too much of a gentleman, I'm far from it quacks involved in backstreet aesthetics fillers and and stuff like that and he as a medical doctor was telling me the kind of things that he's seen he's now, people coming into his clinic and uh, trying to clean up he's trying to clean them up after these chancers have, have had their time with them and look, some people are doing it because it's cheap and and they can't afford to pay prices for actual clinics, but they're doing more harm than good to themselves. Lorena Reardon has the Aristus Clinic in Oliver Plunkett Street. You heard me talking uh, to to Doctor Cotter. Lorraine, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are, are you? Are, good. Are you seeing botch jobs coming in to be fixed? Yeah, well, I suppose what prompted me to make the call really was just the changes that we have observed. Um, We were, I suppose, 16 years at least now, introduced injectables to our clinic um, amongst the other services we have. And it was a big deal then for someone to get an injectable done. And you think about having it done um, and, you know, you do your research. Whereas now um, it's become a massive business, which is fair enough, but equally there isn't any standards in place or there isn't any board set up to ensure safety regulations, which I think would be a huge preventative for 
botch jobs, um, backstreet clinics and all of the above. Yeah, Brian explained it very well. He said that there's no legislation there, so the authorities can't actually act on this because there's no legislation. Yeah, well, I suppose in the UK and other EU countries, um, they have a board set up which people can do their research, see if the clinic is registered, check out the credentials of the injector, whether they're a qualified um, doctor or dentist. But that is not the case now, which is really creating the surge of younger people to go anywhere and have work done. I mean, we have several times turned away business. Um, I'm saying turned away business because that's really how it's looking these days. For a younger person, we'll say 20 years of age, who wants Botox and obviously it's too young, but they will go elsewhere and have the procedure done. Mm-hmm. So that's just the way it's there. There's, there's so many loopholes. There is no... Um, rules so you can't control where a person's going to go equally i would point out that very few people it's all one size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on same goes for healthcare that's why united healthcare offers flexible budget-friendly coverage for medical vision dental and more learn more at uh1.com jewelry isn't a gift you give just once It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. All very well to say, you know, you should check the registration of the product. But people, younger people especially, they're not going to ask what's the expiry date on that filler. Mm -hmm. They're very much driven by price. So affordability, you know, I suppose for the more mature person who has the spend and the disposable income will spend more and go to a proper aesthetic clinic. Whereas younger people are just driven by the lower prices and obviously then that can lead to all sorts of complications, which Brian pointed out, and we see them every other day as well here. As as a man of a certain age who has now sort of settled my mind to ageing disgracefully, I I don't Mm -hmm. understand how someone aged 18 or 19 even once Botox, Lorraine. Yeah, Why? I suppose. Yeah, Why? I suppose it's just the the time we're in. The you know, people at that age, they're just totally exposed to social media. A lot of people, I think, actually, what I've observed is are starting to look the same. There's a lot of overdone work with lips, and sadly, it's turning off the genuine people and their you know perception of having any potential work done. So, you know, if you can imagine a 50-year-old woman who is considering having some injectable work done because she's done with the anti-wrinkle creams and all of the above, she sees a lot of 
overdone people. And it's a total turn off. And as I said, there's a lot of similarities with a lot of younger people now with shiny faces, very like the trout pout look. And it's just not nice. I mean, the whole purpose of injectables is to enhance your own natural look, not look different. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if people could keep that in mind, because the problem will occur whereby they'll have a product, they won't know what it was. And who knows the side effects in a year's time. Yeah. And, and you, know, you say you've, t- you've, you've, you've turned people away in the full knowledge that they're going to go elsewhere. Yeah, and there's a huge difference with the age bracket now that want to have and undergo these procedures. And like I said, we turn them away, but they will go elsewhere and they will be treated elsewhere for a fraction of the price, even though we would have deemed them not to be suitable candidates for work, particularly Botox. I mean, you can't consider giving a young person Botox, um, you know, unless it was prescribed for other reasons like sweating under the arms or something really on that level, uh-huh. but otherwise, and it's kind of sad to see it actually, when? you know, because where will they go mm. at 30 if they're starting injectables at 20, I know. you know? When the professionals like yourself and like Dr. Cotter are, yeah. are pointing out all of the problems, it must be very frustrating that the authorities just do not seem to be listening. Yeah, and unfortunately, I suppose, like everything else, it will be a case of when something very serious happens to somebody that action will have to be taken. But it would be very beneficial, I think, at this stage, if people could educate themselves a little bit more before they undergo having work done. Because once a product is injected to you, it's in. And particularly when it's your face. You know, and I suppose it's just for young people, they're vulnerable, they want to look, you know, like whoever they've seen in social media, their friends are having it done. So there's no end to the lengths that they will go irrespective of the fact that I'm sure most of the parents would know they're having it done. It's just a different, it's just different now, completely. And it's sad, actually, to see it. It's important to warn young people, young people who might be listening, Lorraine, you put this stuff into your face. It's there forever. You can't get it out. And if it goes wrong, it could be in trouble. Absolutely, 100%. And, you know, I suppose what I would be emphasising for people would be to ask questions. First of all, what product they're having done. And a lot of products, most of them, they'd have a registration mark, an expiry date. But if the younger people would ask those questions and give an, be given proper answers that they feel, you know, a lot of the people that are going for injectables will say, I'm talking about the ages of 18 to 23 in particular, They're not bothered about any of the factors that I'm pointing out there, but they should be because once it's done, it's done. Mm. And if it goes wrong. And yeah, (sighs) and the qualifications of the injector is very important as well, you know, and there's certain um, standards that have to be implicated. And, you know, so if people could make themselves more aware before they undergo a treatment, do their research, check out a couple of different clinics that are established and they know they're not, you know, back street, upstairs, you know, and price wise as well. I mean, there's a reason why someone would be charged 100 euros for a filler versus 300 or 350. Mm. You'd have to question what type of filler it is and all of the other factors that I have said. Just going forward, I think that would be my message today. And um, because you can't undo the work, unfortunately. 
Yeah, and that's most important. Lorraine, I appreciate the contact. Lorraine O'Reardon from Aris's Clinic in Altpunkry got in touch after hearing me talking to Dr. Brian Cotter from Sisu. Uh, an awful lot of backstreet, fly-by-night quackery in the injectables and aesthetics game and very little being done about it by the authorities. And Brian explained it really well. You have the HPRA, which is the regulatory authority for this kind of thing, but they can do nothing about it because there is no legislation, which is a crazy situation. 0818 96 96 96. There is a graffiti uh, causing a bit of a stir online. I have seen it, actually. I was wondering what it was. As you drive, if if you're down on Sullivan's Quay, look across to the corner of the Grand Parade there, uh, just there by the river. So over the over the pedestrian bridge, that beautiful old building there. Actually, at one point, I think, I think Fianna Fáil had an office in there at one point. But it's a gorgeous old building. It's part of the, part of one of the colleges now. But on the side of that building, there are the letters, I think they are C-D-S-K. I could be reading them wrong. But they look like C-D-S-K. Huge letters, a couple of feet high, up, someone had to go to some effort to get up there and do it. Uh, E-D-S-K. E-D-R-C-D-S-K. What is it? Who is it? And what the hell were they doing? Good up making an awful mess of a gorgeous building. 0818 96 96 96. Speaking of things that are not gorgeous, we've done all right on the latest Irish Business Against Litter survey. But only all right. Not great would probably be a better way of putting it. I'll come to it next. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Hi, is that Aoife Teagan? Yeah, it is. Are you sitting down, Aoife? I am. I'm, I'm sitting down, yeah. Aoife? Yeah. Congratulations to Aoife Teagan, who's off to enjoy the ultimate party week in Ibiza. Now, stay listening for your next big way to win, only on Cork's 96FM. So you're familiar with it now, every couple of months, uh, Irish Business Against Litter. Started, actually, by a Farway man, Dr. Tom Kavanagh, late Tom Kavanagh, does this top 40 survey, on Pashka does it, and reports back this top 40 survey of the cleanest and dirtiest places in the country. Ma- Mallow actually comes out as second. Maynooth is top of the pops this time out. The cleanest place in the country. Mallow, second cleanest. Cleaner to European norms. So well done, Mallow. But the north side of Cork City ranks at 38. Not great, lads. Not great at all. Uh, Mahan is at 32. Cork City Centre is at 31. Now, I was driving in this morning and the lads were battling gamely, the council guys, to have it clean for the morning rush hour. And I was a few minutes early getting in this morning, so I saw the work that they had to do. 
it was a disgrace down there around Don Square and they were really doing their level best to clean it up and I'm sure they did a wonderful job. But um, Independent Councillor Kenneth O'Flynn. Ken, I remarked a couple of weeks ago and we got a half a morning out of it here. The city centre is manky dirty at the best of times. So I'm surprised it hasn't done worse. Good morning. Good morning, Peter. How are you this morning? Good. It's a black spot. City centre is a black yeah. spot. Look, I suppose I read the report. I went through the report last night uh, over and over again. And then I went through reports from the last four or five years. I suppose the one thing I can tell you is that we have improved year on year. Okay? We'd want to. That we would want to. And there's an awful lot more of improvement needed in the city centre. As you know, one of our machines broke down. I know you. Sp- I, I listened to the programme. I think you, pr- you probably got more than a morning out of it. You probably got a week out of it. The amount of people that called in and highlighted black spots uh, throughout the city and how disappointed they were with certain things in the city. Um, look, the, one, one of the sweeping machines did break down. Having said that, that was replaced with teams out there going out and power hosing mm-hmm. power washing. I've seen washing. them, and they're doing a great Very job in fairness to them. And actually, job. I'll tell you what, PJ, the effects of power washing are far better than the, the sweeping machine. They, you know, it takes up a tremendous amount of dirt. Look, PJ, we have teams out there from 7 a.m. in the morning to very late in the evening. Um, during festival times or it, when the city is extremely busy with whatever is going on in the city, we, we do put out extra bins as well in the city. At times, you'll, you'll see that. Um, they're not the prettiest looking things, but they are additional bins as well. And I have to say, our cleansing team, the team that we have there, are very dedicated. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest jobs that they have at the moment in the city is collecting illegal dumping throughout the city, not just in the city centre. I mean, look, you have the problem with Dawn Square with people spilling drinks and transferring um, from glass cups into plastic cups and things like that, which stains the the, the granite on, on Patrick Street, Dawn Square, Grand Parade, all that direction. Mm-hmm. You could argue that that should have never been put down anyway, but that's another conversation for another day. Um, we have that problem with the city centre, but we also have a tremendous amount of problem with illegal dumping in the city. Mm. Um, now, what are what, what do you mean? Have, people bringing in their own rubbish and dumping it in the street bins? The street bins um, going to public parks. Um, like there are certain black spots around the city. I, I don't need to tell you here, but Bell's Field is one of them where people we we had a, a bin for designed for dog waste. Um, which was getting mattresses and, and household waste and big black plastic bags and all that sort of stuff being dumped up there had to be removed. We've had situations on private property where some private property um, isn't being maintained very well and it's become a, a, a designated area for uh, dumping of household waste. And that's in various parts of the city, from, from Blackpool to Bishopstone. It's not just an issue on the north side or south side or east or west of the city. That's an issue throughout the city. We have some people with no civic pride or no decency to their respect for their neighbourhood. And look, there's nobody driving from Blarney to 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 Ballincollig or Bishopstone or, or from, from, from Douglas or Rochestown over to the north side and dumping. The reality is that most of the time that when we have prosecutions for illegal dumping, we find that the person is living very, very close. How very many close. prosecutions do you have every so often, every year? I, I, think, I think last year was 142, if I'm not mistaken. No, I could be wrong in that number, mm. but I, that number is ringing out in my head. Um, uh, it can be very difficult to prove it at times and that there can be back and forth into court and all that sort of stuff. And that old GDPR nonsense causes problems. Uh, sure, it does. Uh, look... 
that causes problems in every organisation everywhere now in the entire country, I can tell you. Mm. Um, GDPRN is a disaster. We are have a team going around door to door. Um, no, that's a small team, so it takes a lot of time. We have a team going around door to door, knocking on doors, in particular where we where we have information or we've been given information to investigate. And we knock on the door and we try and find out, ascertain of where are you dumping your rubbish? If you're not signed up to one of these providers, how are you disposing of your rubbish? Can you prove that you're disposing your rubbish in the in the city dump? Or can you dispo- Can you prove that you're disposing your rubbish correctly? Uh, and then we have the other problem, then PJ, that we have the rogue rubbish collectors, the guy that knocks on your door or my door that says, "Mrs, I see you've um, a bag of leaves, or you've a bit of rubbish outside there. Will I take it away for you?" Mm-hmm. And they're not, they're not correct. They're not, they're not legal. They don't have licenses. Quite a few of them. Some of them are. Some of them are fantastic. Please always ask for their license, for their disposal of, of rubbish license, because there are some people that are acting in a rogue manner and dumping then illegally. One of the biggest costs to us in the city, and I'm not going to mention the location, because if I do, there'll be uh, solicitors' letters flying in the whole lot. <laughs> but I think you, you, you and, and it's at me, they'll fly, not whatever, you, so careful. What, what, at me, yeah. I, I'm used to them now at this stage from that group. Um, but we have one of the biggest problems we have is the illegal dumping in that area. And the amount of money and the amount of resources that go into collecting rubbish on a daily basis up there. It's absolutely phenomenal. Ken, what does come in, though, from punters, right, from people on the phone, will say, come here to me now. Here's Ken O'Flynn giving out on behalf of the council about how dirty the place is. And yet the council privatised all the bins and it's expensive now to get your rubbish collected. Your response? Yeah, you're, you're, look, I think it works out about six euros a day on average for for an average household. Um, no, I could be wrong in saying that, but I, that's what I'm that's what I'm being told. Um, look, what the council does do is we do the free bulky goods, we do the promotion and local media campaign, we do the awareness campaigns, we do the support for community groups such as the tidy towns committees and various clean up committees. We give out free um, pickers, gloves, high vis jackets. That's all available through the community community resourcing. Um, Look, there has to be a buy-in from the general public as well. And look, PJ, in an ideal world, we would be we would be collecting all the rubbish. But it became absolutely impossible for Cork City Council. It, we couldn't fund it. We just couldn't go forward with it. There was no finance available to it. We had and we had to give it up. I'd love I'd love if we were doing what we're doing in what, for instance, what's been done in Spain, where you can dump your rubbish every day at the end of the street in a yeah. large container and it's taken away. Now people pay for that. They do, but having said that, PJ, PJ, and I'll tell you, my my community bill, I don't know what my mother and father says, but my community bill for my house in Spain is €900 Euros a year. That's right. what we pay as a couple a year. Uh, and that's what we pay for rubbish collection and for keeping the streets and keeping the lights on, all that sort of stuff. That's what we're paying as a, as a household. There's a thing, just on a side, yeah. side note there for a second, Ken. With regard, I mean, I've been talking about this for years, when you go on holidays to Spain and anybody else has seen it, down at the end of the avenue, there's this mm-hmm. communal ring site and you'll yeah. see everything You'll see everything from a bedpost to, to a, a bundle of magazines dumped there. And, and, and they're taken away every day. They're taken away every day. That's but paid that's for by the owners of the properties. Of the property, so every so for instance, uh, Fran and I have a two-bedroom apartment in Spain. You know, we don't have a big penthouse. Um, but you know, um, we're paying nine hundred euros a year for the service charge on that, mm-hmm. and that's the city service charge. 
and that's what we're paying. It's like it's like rates prior to 1978. So we're paying a rates every year to the local town council that's collecting our, collecting our rubbish. So you know, like you can't put like for like when we were charging a, a minimal fee. Hmm. And the big problem we had at the time, Peter, and I have to be honest with you, there was people getting the, uh, there was some people who were in receipt of um, a dispensation. So waivers, council were receiving waivers, and that was being taken advantage of as well. There was neighbours and there was friends and there was family and there was fellows coming from all over the place and filling up bins um, belong to a one-person household that a family of 12 wouldn't be able to support. <laughs> That's the truth, though. That's the truth. And look, that happened. Are you t- I, I, I heard that said. All right. Mrs. Mrs. Murphy has a waiver and her little bin is full of enough stuff for 14 people. Listen, the Imperial Hotel wouldn't have a bin that certain Mrs. Murphy's had around the city. And that's, the, that's the truth of it. And that's, it killed it for everybody. It yeah. killed it for everybody because, and that's, and look, that's what happens. But look, there is supports there from City Council. We do, I'll have to say, our cleansing team are very good. If there's a situation, you can pick up the phone and say, look, Absolutely. there's a couple of black bags. There. I, They'll be up Ken, I see them every morning. I see them every, I, yeah. I, I see them so they often now, they, they even salute me when they see me little car coming. Do you know, <laughs> I see them every single but, morning. But look, they are, they're great, they're great lads and girls in fairness to them. They're very good to investigate as well and try and solve out the problem. As I said, we are giving away the, the free bulky goods every year in different locations and we put, put out the notices there. We're doing what we can as a council, right, with the resources that we have available to us. But we have to have a buy-in from the citizens and we have to have the citizens taking pride in their area, taking pride in their neighbourhood. I, I can remember only a couple of months ago here, I got a call at two o'clock in the morning and one neighbour, and I won't mentioned the, the, the area that I was in but one neighbour said look I have it on CCTV it's my neighbour who's dumping out on the green uh, and you know what the gas thing about it I got a call probably about four or five hours later that the next morning from the neighbour that I was told was dumping saying can you want to get up here there's bags there's loads of bags of rubbish being put out on the green here and that's that's the truth. That's that's the truth. You know, you couldn't write it. You couldn't write it. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what's going on. And look, when it comes to the city centre, you know, I'd love to say that we have more resources available to us. We are putting a big spend into cleaning up the city centre. Uh, the power hosing, I think, is a great idea. David Joyce's uh, uh, mind was behind that and and got it together. And you will see a lot, lot, lot more power hosing happening. You have to remember as well, we're putting a huge investment into the public realm with Bishop Lucy Park later on this year. Uh, and the surrounding areas as well coming on stream there um, with with a significant investment. Uh, and PJ, can I just remind listeners because I, I often it often gets said to me here that there's not enough dog bins out there. Mm. But just to remind people that every bin in the city you can dispose of dog waste in that because a lot of people don't know it, didn't realise it. Or as say, long as it's in the bag, as long as long as it's in a bag, of course. And look, the other option is there if you don't have a bin near you. We can't put a bin in everywhere, right? Because there's there's the antisocial behaviour, there's fellas burning bins, there's fellas breaking bins, there's people dumping um, mattresses and, and household waste that aren't designed for bins. We can't put it in every neighbourhood. We couldn't afford to collect it if that was the case. The other option is if you do have a can of Coke or a bottle of water or, the, uh, or a bag with your dog feces inside in it, the other option is bring it home with you. Bring it home with you, you know? And that's it, you know, it is your waste. It There's is. a point I've been making for a very, very long time. If you're out for a day, going to the beach or in around town, bring your crap home. Correct. Correct. Uh, and, you know, we, 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 people have to take personal responsibility. If you're creating this amount of waste uh, and you're not, and there's a bin not available to you, it's not, 
uh, acceptable to throw it on the ground, to throw it into a bush. Bring it home. Bring it home and recycle yourself. You know? Mm. Ken, we'll leave it there. Uh, by the, oh, by the okay, way, I'm yes, you have a new title. Would you mind explaining to me, what on earth is Chairman of Placemaking? Uh, <laughs> well, I, I was I was beginning to wonder there. I have a new title. I, I, was, I was thinking to myself, what are they calling me now? <laughs> no, I'm the SPC Chair, which is the Strategic Policy uh, Chairman of uh, Placemaking, uh, Community and Placemaking. So Community and Placemaking, it, placemaking is, is a complicated complicated name but the ideal is is uh, placemaking is about making a community it's about ensuring that a community is is born looked after naturalized so our committee would be in charge of libraries it would also be in charge of, of community affairs uh, the committee would be putting policies together about public realm so the big applications that you see now with monies coming through for bishop lucy park that would have come through our committee the applications coming in for the for the rebuilding and the building of a new city library that's going through our committee or that plans are going through our committee um place making would also be dealing with setting up and putting together a community group whether it's um whether it's a local community group or a particular type of, okay. of of group okay. and giving them support as well. Placemaking place, place includes parks and recreation as well. Okay. Does the dog poo committee still sit? Oh, it does. It does. I, I'm chairman of it. Uh, we have a budget. <laughs> we, have a, we have a budget. <laughs> Ken, Ken O'Flynn, no you've just given me, you have just given me the ammunition of all the years I've known you. Another title. <laughs> no, 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 no. And I leave it at this. Ken O'Flynn, good to talk to you. Officially you chairman too. chairman of the Council okay. Committee for Talking Shite. Thanks, Ken. <laughs> Bye. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. The minds are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Parks 96 FM. Very busy this morning. If I haven't gotten to your comment yet, I will do my level best to get to it before we finish at 12 o'clock. But I need to go immediately now to Louise because yesterday we were talking about the tragic incident in East Cork on Sunday at uh, that lovely beach, lovely quiet beach, Ballycronine, uh, down there near Cloyne, where a woman jumped into the water to rescue her son who'd gotten into difficulty. He is okay. He was rescued. She rescued him. She helped him to get to safety. But she, unfortunately, lost her life in the effort. Her name was Joanna Wisniewska. And I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. She was a Polish originally but had lived here for a number of years. Very tragic story, very tragic loss. Uh, A GoFundMe has now been set up to raise funds to assist Joanna's family. Uh, Louise, you set up that GoFundMe. Your daughter was at the beach with the family on Sunday and saw it happen. Is Is she okay? Good morning. 
Morning, PJ. Um, you know what? I think any child that witnesses, you know, things like that, I think what starts going through their minds, well, especially with my daughter, is, um, you know, what what could I have done better, and I could have done something, and you know, so she's just she's in the in the position where she thinks that if she had gone in to help, it would have been a different situation, and you know, like what we're trying to keep telling her is that what she did is brave enough and what she, you know, making sure she got help or finding people, some, a lady on the beach um, who was absolutely phenomenal with her, with her and her, um, Joanna's daughter, um, you know, just to say that what you did was good enough because if you had gone back in, we might not be standing here hugging her today. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if, if something had happened to her, Joanna would have never forgiven, give, forgiven herself. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, and so I think it's just, it's trying to get them to just understand that it, it is a very bad tragedy and that water safety just obviously over the summer is very, very important. Mm. Um, and that it can just happen so quickly because it was, I mean, Joanna rocked up at the door. She said, does daddy want to go to the beach? I said, let's, you know, that's no problem. Well, like she's done numerous times and it was just supposed to be a quick trip to the beach and, and back again. So it, yeah, just, I think over the summer, um, people just need to just watch your kids. You know, don't think that for a minute that that those rip riptides are—they're just yeah. You, you don't think how strong they actually are until something like this. Just it's just it's just so real. It's it. I don't know. It's like a bad dream that no one can wake up from. Actually, you you weren't there yourself, Louise. What no. do you understand happened? Um, no, well, look, it was just obviously um, just in respect for the, the family and what's obviously happened. Um, I, I won't give away too much. Okay. Um, you know, it was just that he got into trouble. She, as any mom would put it, themselves in that, you know, they, they don't even think twice. No, no. Um, she, managed, she managed to get to him. She pushed him onto the rocks and, yeah, it was just her exhaustion was um was just it just overcome her yeah. um so yeah it and, was and and your daughter and her little boy are very close friends yes yes yeah they go to the same school together so um and then as i say her her she's um her little daughter is my daughter's best friend so i mean they spend every day together i see and how's so, how's yeah. her other little little girl um, she's, she's like any lady, any little girl, where's mom, you know, um, when she's coming back, um, I want to be with her. And so, yeah, it's at this point in time, it's just everybody rallying around t together to just show them and support them and yeah. try in any way possible to help them. That's, I mean, losing a parent is, oh is hard enough. Um, but you know, a mom is the front line. A mom is the one you go to and you've got your scraped knee, knee or your broken heart. Your mom is the one that she's the one, she's the front line of the family. You know, dads are most, very, very important, but moms knows where the plasters are. Mom Ain't knows where, true. you know, so it's, true. I mean, it, for even, even for her husband, you know, it's, it's, it's such a difficult time and the he? amount of, He's 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 trying. He's trying. He's broken. Um, he, Joanna was his absolute life. 
So he is broken. Um, but you know what? We have such a lovely community here. We've had so much support. Yeah. People have brought things. People have brought food, tea, coffee. Just Yeah, they've just been absolutely phenomenal. It's, it's, it's what we do. When we can do no more, we, we bake and we cook. Yeah. And we make, no, and and we it, make and tea. It, <laughs> we've, we've noticed that. That's definitely for sure. We've noticed that. And it, it is, you know. How's the little boy that mom did get to? No, yeah, he's he's good. He's he's just obviously cuts and cuts and bruises um, from the rocks, but otherwise he's he's coping in his own way. Yeah, um, he's yeah. yeah, he's he's it's it's going to be difficult for him. You know, it might not. I, I just feel maybe with children is they don't really comprehend no. until a couple of maybe weeks or even months later when it's kind of like set down of this is, this is my new, this is the new reality. There is no mom. Um, So, you know, he's, he's, he's brave, but I just, I I do think that we'll have to be here for, for a very, very long time supporting them. Um, And the school's been very good. Um, there's support stuff that's been put up for in place for the children and for for her husband. So, yeah, I, I must admit, the, the Irish really, really do know how to rally together to to support their fellow fellow human. It doesn't matter where they come from, who you are. You know, the Irish, when it comes to that, they are probably one of the most genuine people that I've ever met. Yeah. So, I just would thank you to all the Irish people that have actually donated to the GoFundMe, you have no idea yeah, you how set much that, you it set that to up. Him. You set that up um, when? God, you I set it up. I think it was on Tuesday, I think it was Sunday evening. Um, not yeah. Sunday evening. Yes, last night. Last night I yeah. set it up. And yeah. there's already 10,500 euro in it. Yeah. And that just shows how how beautiful Irish people, or anyone, anyone in this country, you don't need to be Irish, you don't need, just anybody in this country, they, like, just the way they rally together, it's just, well, I mean, so many people have put, and like, it's just so heart, heartwarming to see. We'll share that GoFundMe on all of our platforms and, and keep it awesome. going, for, keep it going for you. Yeah, Tell just, me, uh, yeah, yes. go on, go on. Yeah. No, no, I was just going to say, please, 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 just if you could do one thing today, it's go and find your kids, find your husband, your wife, your partner, just give them a hug, tell them you love them because you just don't know if it's the last time you're going to see them. Tell me a bit about Louis or about about Joanna Louise. What was she like? Were you close? Um, look, um, I wasn't as close as a lot of people that are with Joanna. Um, at, m- our, our friendship was also quite with um, Eddie, and Zush, um, Eddie and her daughter being quite close together. Um, but I mean, she included Eddie in basically everything from walks uh, and my son um, to walks in the forest with um, who's their dog and taking them to the beach and she was just like the softest person she loved she lived for her children she she just I couldn't tell you of a better mom I know moms are all good but she was just such a kind and warm person that everybody like no one could ever falter, no one could ever, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you she met was, you met through would, through through your kids, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we did. Um and you know, we've 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 been uh we've done things together and whatever and but she was just such a such a beautiful human being and it's just so sad that this is this has happened to such a beautiful family. Like the, the love they have for each other is just unreal. You say he's he's broken. He's broken. He's like China was his world. Like, and I mean, especially when you don't really have that much family here, mm. you know, your fa- you, and yeah. So yeah, they've been yeah, here. They've been here a number of years, I think. Have they? They have. They have. They've been here. They've been here quite a while. I think over about eight or nine years. Um, um I think. Um, yeah. so they've they've been here a long time. Yeah. And, How long um, have you been here made, yourself, Louise? That, that, um, that's I've not, been that's not an East Cork accent. Yeah, yeah. It, it's <laughs> no, it's not. It's South African. <laughs> thought so. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I've been here since 2018, and um, would never ever look back. Mm. I mean, this country, I, I love it. Yeah, it's well, just well, everything that goes with it is just. What, what you've uh, noticed, what you've three, noticed, yeah. what you what you've noticed in the last day or two is is what we do at a moment of tragedy. Yeah. And let me say yeah. something. And I, I, I know we shouldn't. Uh, you will probably find yourself falling over trays of sandwiches, and and buckets, oh, yes. and buckets oh, of soup, cakes, it's, it's, it's and, what we do. and milk, <laughs> and yeah, no, it is, and it's just absolutely because I mean, people do. They want to come and pay their respects. They want to come and talk to you, and then you know you don't want to be like, oh, okay, well, I don't have the milk, or I, I don't have anything to offer you. To you know what I mean? So just even just bringing the food, it's come in, they grab whatever's on the table, you know. Um, so it is every every little thing has just been wonderful from someone bringing a bottle of milk to to anything. The the GoFundMe page, it, it just it just shows how people will come together at a crisis no matter who you are. And and those who funds you are. the funds will be used for to help Yeah. Or, so- her husband That's and just her to, children. Just to, yeah, it's to help them. Um, you know, obviously, just with funeral, um, we've been trying to get the the family here, and so it's yeah, it it's just to help. You know, at the end of the day, you you're losing an income as well, um, and you know, come a couple of months down the line, when you think has things have to go back to normality, and and then. There's, you know, you've got things to do, things to pay, and, and it's, it's just, well, it's just going to be a big help. Well, Louise, the, the, the contribution to, that we can make is to make sure that the GoFundMe gets out uh, to everyone yes, who please. can possibly see yeah. it, and we'll share it with the press, yeah. and we'll share it with our social media. We will podcast this interview, and we'll take it from there and see how you do. Awesome. Thank right. you so much, and PJ. And again, to friend. everybody, uh, no, thank you very much. And thanks for all the condolences and just everything. And whoever's, whoever, whether it's the GoFundMe or dropping off a plate of sandwiches or whatever it is, it's a big, big, big thank you from the bottom of all of our hearts. Just thank you for, for caring. Thank you for caring. Louise, thank you for talking to me. Thank you. That is Louise Van Baldrin, a friend of Joanna, who drowned in such tragic circumstances on Sunday.
at Ballycrinine Beach. Fundraiser set up to assist the family. Um, since we've been speaking, it's gone up even a little bit. It now stands at €10,568. We will share this everywhere, but let's see what we can do with that GoFundMe. Desperately tragic loss for a family in, in East Cork. And it's, it's wonderful to hear just how good we are at a moment like that. And for someone like Louise, who's here since 2018, came from South Africa, totally taken aback by what we do. One of the things we do is we cook and we bake and we care. And uh, we'll, send this, we'll send this out and we'll circulate the interview and we'll podcast it if you want to listen back to it later on. Because that's what we can do. 0818969696. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. I mentioned yesterday uh, the success of young Aideen Mullins at the Muay Thai World Championships in Venice at the weekend. I had another message last evening to tell me that there'd been an incredible success out there. Not just Aideen Mullins, young Colm O'Mahony from Inishmore in Ballincollig is a new world champion at the age of just 17. He was also fighting in Venice at the weekend. He stopped two of his opponents in their first round. He is also with the Siam Warriors in Blarney Street. His family and friends delighted and incredibly proud. Long may his success continue. And so say all of us. And I got a message last night. Can't believe this. And I said, will you send me a list? And she said she will at some point soon. From Cynthia Mullins, who's Aideen's mum. She said there are 13 medals coming back to Ireland from that championship. Eight gold, one silver and four bronze. Wowzers. Wowzers. But to call him uh, today, uh, a good man, I mentioned for you, in, from Inishmore and Balancholic, 17-year-old Muay Thai world champion fighting out of the Siam Warriors Club in Blarney Street. 0818 96 96 96. Speaking earlier about the shortage of GPs, there are none. All the books are full. For example, in Charleville, we had a message from John in Cove who said in Ticknock, in Cove, they've built a clinic for five or six doctors. Built for ages, still isn't open. None of the locals know when it will open. Does anybody have any information on that? John wants us with that question now. Dear Mid, morning to you. Morning. Um, I, I had these problems because I tend to move every six months to a new location. New Ross, I couldn't get a doctor. There, was, there used to be six doctors. Now there's only three. I've moved down to Ker- I'm just on the border of Cork and Kerry, and I couldn't get a doctor. So I, I'm more or less stuck the last few years just staying with my Dublin doctor that I got a good few years ago. Right. So you travel and, all the way uh, to Dublin to see the doctor? Basically, yeah. That's that's the only way. I, because if I try moving doctors, each time it's just chaos. Uh, like New Ross, I would have had to get a doctor in, Wick- uh, in Wexford. Right. So it was easier to get to Dublin than it was to get to Wexford <laughs> from Neuras as an example. I mean, I've moved maybe I've moved to other places like uh, Yall and uh, um, you know uh, up to Clare. Mm. So it's always the same problem. So I just gave up and just keep the one doctor in Dublin. You're, you're a Cork man originally, I think. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm a mix. I'm, I'm on the Cork Kerry border. I'm a Shukru, which is a uh, 
derivative of the um, the um, Viking name Sigfrida. I see. They used to be. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, all the all the names of S's, Suwan, and all these are derivatives of the Viking name Sigfrida, which means victory, peace. I see. So you're yeah. a real, you're a real live Viking, Dermot. <laughs> Somewhere along the line, yeah. <laughs> you see, you move around a lot. How come? Um, I'm doing a lot of voluntary work. I'm on disability, and uh, I'm involved with the heart um, movement. You know, the the you know the heart these, foundation. Um, yeah. Yeah, Heart Foundation kind of thing, helping uh, different groups of people. Sure. Um, after I got five bypasses, so I'm Freaky. involved right. in all that. <laughs> and and so. there's the thing, if you're on disability, yeah. you would have a medical card, correct? That's correct, yeah. So. I, that's, that's the whole problem. Uh, trying to move medical cards is a nightmare. I, I even got knocked off the other day for two months just for no reason, but I got back on. <laughs> you, oh, you, what, you, got, you, you, made it, you, you lost your card? Uh, no, I, the, the doctor in Dublin was knocked off me. I don't know why, just some administration reason. And uh, But luckily I, I, I got back on. But the, right. the visit to the doctor cost me 60 euros before I found out that I, I was off the system for the last uh, two months. <laughs> but there is a chronic shortage. Oh, it's all around the country. There, there's virtually no way to get doctors in your area. It's um, if you move, don't don't change doctor until you find one because otherwise you'd be in a nightmare. Yeah. Okay. You know, and I don't understand where they're going to get put all these doctors for all these refugees because they get a medical card automatically. So yeah, yeah. I mean, in in New Ross they won't get one. I mean. The three doctors there, you just walk in and they say, look, we're not, we're not taking anybody, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so you're, the only place you'll find a doctor might be Wexford or uh, Waterford. Yeah, well, I mean, if we started yeah, talking... Yeah, we started, we started talking this morning about this with, with Anne, who's in, in Charleville and trying to get a, a GP for her husband and the, the nearest one was 20-odd 20, 20 miles away in Adair County Limerick. Well, she's lucky it's only 20 miles. <laughs> That's been dead hours with you. And she's lucky she found any. She didn't have to go all the way to Limerick. You know. All right. And, and also, when you go for, when you queue for the doctor, you can be, uh, when you ring up for the appointment, you can be um, anything from three days to a week before you see the doctor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's an emergency, you just have to go to the hospital ridiculously overcrowded and ridiculously jammed system. Dermot, thank you very much. Dermot O'Shokru, our very own Viking on the programme, or descended from the Vikings. Moves around a lot, so can't get a doctor. He has a medical card, and his doctor, currently, he's living on the Cork area border, his doctor is currently in Dublin. It's even worth it to go to Dublin for a doctor. 0818 I was talking about Food. Oh yes, 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 yes. Justin was on about the, uh, the the aesthetics, talking to Dr. Brian Cotter, and indeed uh, talking to uh, let me get the name back, Lorena Reardon from Arisus about the aesthetics and the cracks that are putting things into people's faces. We had uh, who came through to me there? It was uh, Justin. He said thanks to California for this cosmetic market. If the women and men didn't realise they look like cartoon characters, <laughs> we'd be all right. And it needs to be part of the conversation. If I wanted a plastic lady, I'd buy a Barbie doll. 
Thank you, Justin. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Somebody tried to scam Queen Bee this morning. Uh, but she was up too early. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. So someone sent the Queen Bee a text at one minute to seven this morning. That's about the time she's usually pottering around the bedroom, getting up for the day. Uh, hi, Ma. Texting you off a friend's phone. Went out last night and dropped my phone and broke it. Have to get fixed later. I have a new number, 0851152807. I may make sure to save it now and text me. I need to talk to you about something. <laughs> is not a number that exists anyway. Because there are no, what, eight digits mobile numbers? just yet and it came from 0851527990 so herself <laughs> she responded she said hey pet I hope you had a good night that's desperate about your phone and it's a new phone too you won't believe what happened to me last night I only got arrested again I swear I didn't know he was undercover any chance you'd send me your bank details so I can get bail love you that was my missus back to this scammer at 7 o'clock this morning. Um, needless to say, she didn't hear from them again. Now, that's funny, but in a way it's not because of the tens of thousands of euro that is squeezed out of people every day by these scammers. And we've talked about the, hey, ma'am, this is me from a friend's phone a while back. Bill Tyson, whose Daily Mail personal finance man, has been writing about this of late, Bill, and you say it's about time we had a law to block this kind of rubbish. My missus picked up on it instantly and sent a nice smart answer back. Not everybody will. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yes, it's uh, she's not the only one by far. Uh, 300 million euros it's estimated to cost us. Uh, 365,000 people being scammed uh, in a year alone with scams a day yeah scam uh, calls and texts uh, are 200 euros on average from the scam calls and 100 euros uh, from the scam texts yeah uh, 89 million uh, annoying or irritating calls and 31 million distressing calls this is all in a report by by Comreg yeah. Uh, most vulnerable are often older, lonely people or people who are managing an, an illness can be vulnerable. But uh, young people are also targeted. There's a, there's a high number of young people because they're obviously using their, their phones. 90% of adults in Ireland have received a scam call uh, in, 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 to their mobile phone in, in the past year. And yeah. it's gone beyond uh, a, a nuisance call at this stage. It's uh, It's actually... Uh, it's a, it's an appalling uh, vista here. Um, I'll just read you out something from the Comreg um, report. Uh, Comreg yeah. is the watchdog that yeah. looks into I, I, th- I think uh, I featured the highlights of it last week, but go on again, yeah. Oh, did you? Grant, Grant. Go on. Yeah. But the, it's interfering interfering with the, with public services. People aren't are ignoring uh, the HSE, uh, the Garda Síochána. Um, these have been getting on to Comreg um, about the, the, the 
blockage in providing public services because people aren't responding to their to, to their texts and calls because mm. they think they're scams. Well, I, got, I got caught. Is, I got caught a while back, um, Bill, and I, I shared this with with my listeners. I bought a subscription to a newsletter in Spain and I paid thirty two euro for it or something, and I got a text message from the purporting to be from the bank asking me was this a genuine transaction. And I ignored it, thinking it was a scam. Then I got a second text to say my card had been had been locked. Um, and when I got onto the bank, they said, "Yeah, that was a genuine text we sent you." I said, "How the hell am I supposed to know? Because I get four or five a day from you that are scams." Now, in fairness, the young woman on the phone told me very explicitly how to tell the difference. But it must be very yeah, so difficult. You would, don't give any sensitive information yeah. out. You, we, we are contacted by our banks uh, all the time, um, you know, especially to tell us if there's fraudulent activity. And uh, often that's uh, that can be used as a scam in itself, mm-hmm. where they're they're telling you that there's there's been fraudulent activity. So you you ring the you ring the number to stop it, and then you've actually mm-hmm. been def- get get defrauded. Yes. Comrade, uh, we're saying I think in their report bill. There are things that can be done, but some of it may require legislation. Yes. Uh, I mean, they set up a, a nuisance communications industry task force uh, last year. Now, you might ask, uh, should it have been done uh, before that? But at least it is being done. And they have um, brought out this extremely uh, comprehensive report uh, on, on the whole issue. And they're proposing and they're, they are already doing Certain things. Now, I haven't seen much of an impact so far. My my text messages are still uh, I'm still being bombarded with with scams, but but uh, seven companies have engaged with them on a pilot scheme, and they want to do. Uh, there's 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 a public consultation. Uh, you can have your say. You can get onto the Comreg uh, website. They want to. There there's five methods for blocking. Uh, uh, suspicious numbers that they can do they want to do this they uh, hopefully they will do this and then when it when it comes to um texts uh, there's there's uh, an id registry they can set up which they want to do um now the the other thing they want to do which is requires legislation is a scam filter which would filter, which would be, um, you know, like a filter of, of, of emails uh, junk mails that that would filter out dodgy stuff uh, now that requires legislation um so that that would be the one thing that would and I, um I, I would imagine this uh should be seriously looked at mm. you you have the the calls the texts the emails even and comreg would want may want to clamp down the problem is anytime i talk to an expert in this bill about from the technical side of it they say no matter what you do the scammers are across you because that text this morning, for example, that my missus got at a minute to seven, that probably went out to a thousand people at the same time. All they want is to catch one of them. Yeah, they they only need to catch uh, a small percentage to to make uh, money out of it. Um, I'm just looking at the technical aspects of it on the, on the Comreg report. Um, you can buy this uh, gizmo for uh, 700 euros online. And it can generate uh, 640,000 scam texts mm. uh, for less than a thousand euros a month. Um, so, for the for the fraudsters to make that pay, all they need is uh, um, a, few, a handful uh, of uh, 
victims to to fall for it. Mm. And uh, the the the, the, uh, the survey indicates that they they get up to four for every thousand. So there's so many, you know, look, 89 million nuisance texts. They, they, they're four are successful for every thousand received. Yeah. That's all they need. The numbers and, and the numbers are stark. Like you said, a thousand people a day, 365,000 people scammed yeah. every year. And it costs and the economy more than 300 million business. It costs, it costs businesses millions. Do you think yes, the government has the government given any response to the Comreg report? Uh, well, it's it's a consultation. Um, they say that they're working with the department, uh, communications department, uh, on this. And I, I imagine, imagine it's it's it, they haven't come out it, 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 strongly as far as I can see. But they, they the Comreg say they are working. Very good. All right, thank the scenes. Cheers. Thank you very much. That's Bill Tyson, a personal finance man with the Daily Mail. Another journalist, actually, is Sean Devonport, and he wrote in the Irish Times in the last couple of days how he was caught. And Sean Devonport would be quite a tech-savvy, a bit like Bill would be now, very tech-savvy individual. He was caught by the Courier Con, uh, which we talked about here. We've talked about the Hello Ma'am, It's Me in My Friend's Phone Con, and the courier con is another one. And Fionn was looking to sell a bike on the Facebook buy and sell system, which works out fine. Facebook market marketplace. They've sold himself and his family have sold and bought things on it uh, for a long time. He wanted to sell an old push bike of his, and he put it up, and there was interest within minutes. And just at a particular time, he was under a bit of pressure at home, and he got a text. And he went down the road of they were looking for money for a courier. The courier is a red flag. I'll get to it tomorrow, actually. The, there's a very good piece in the Irish Times about 10 red flags when you are online buying or selling. Facebook Marketplace is a reputable place to buy and sell. People do it all the time. But there are red flags for what may not be all above board. And we'll come back to that tomorrow. 0818969696. This issue that we discussed last week, one or two days, when there were some ugly scenes at uh, UCC, where it all got quite salty between Michal Martin and a number of protesters at the discussion forum on the future of neutrality and defence. And they had another one in Galway and there was more shouting there. And they had another one in Dublin Castle and I think there was more shouting there. And there are those who firmly believe that the government has us headed down a path to join NATO. Government tells us that's nonsense. Now the government have told us before that many things were nonsense and then these things have happened. So, so you don't take everything the government says at face value, but they insist there's absolutely no agenda for Ireland to even think about joining NATO. That's their insistence. There were, the, there were people protesting at the events, fully convinced that we are being led down a road of eventually joining NATO. I'm somewhere in between. Uh, I neither know, and quite frankly, I don't actually care, but maybe I should. Jerry Cambridge, good morning. Good morning, uh, PJ. We'll start with that one. I don't know, and I don't really care. Should I? Well, there's, there's three points to this, PJ. We're under, under stat in the Defence Forces and the Naval. Yeah. Right? We have thousands of people 
on the dole, young people on the dole. Which well, we have full employment now, to be fair, Jerry. We have full employment at the moment. We That's what they're saying. There's a job for everybody in the audience at the moment. Oh, yeah. Well, I agree with you 100%. But number one, number second one is that the Rapid Reaction Force is a part of NATO. Right. And every country in Europe has 800 to 900 men on standby in case of emergencies and being there within the space of two to six hours. Mm-hmm. Now, the third part is that we have to look at this in a long situation where things are going on in Russia. Now, this thing can escalate way beyond anyone's doubt. Yeah. All it takes is one press of a button and one man is crazy enough to do it. That's why we need to be a part of NATO. If one NATO country is attacked, all the other NATO countries attack this country that attacks one part of NATO. So you you have a backup. Are you suggesting we should join NATO, Jerry? We should join NATO because we need we need manpower, we need equipment, and we need our our own air force. We only have an air corps. And an yeah, we fire. only have an air corps, which have only Spitfires. That's what I call them. Like, they're, they're like, <laughs> like remote control. The have, you, have you a military background yourself? I have. I spent 26 years in the, in the Army. Thank you for your service. Thank you very much. Um, but that, I'd love to see young people getting on, on, getting on board and going join the Navy. Because the Navy have bought four ships and they have no crew for them. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That seems to be... that that That's stark. And here we are sitting here in Cork at the headquarters of our naval service down the road in Halbolin and all these beautiful new vessels and no crew. No crews on them. Mm. And during during the lockdown, if you can remember, they were, they were taking back in ex-members of, of the forces. Right. We, like, we have a serious recruitment and retention problem in the services. But do you think, Jerry, that joining NATO would solve that one? It, it would... It would, it would solve that one because if you have a conscription of two years for every person that's was 18 years of age, 17 to 26 years of age, it'd be... And oh, in some hold, on, no, hold on, no, hold on, no, hold on. I know that certain NATO countries do have mandatory service. Um, are you suggesting... Yeah, if, 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 are you suggesting that Ireland should have mandatory military service? I'm suggesting, yeah. It's good. It's good for them. It's, it'll give them self-esteem, self-respect, uh, and you know, I spent twenty-six years in the defence forces, and I respect everyone. Yeah, and I respect everyone's decision whether they like they want to join or don't want to join. That's that's their their choice. But my choice would be if I was young again, I would say yes, let's go for it. Mm. But if people don't go into it by choice. When if they're forced into it, they won't. Uh, surely they won't. No, no, no. People won't be forced into it. Like, but it's not country... what mandatory service is. Mandatory. No, 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 no. Mandatory service is that if you go in and do your two-year service, you're finished after two years, you're gone, you're, you won't be called back again. That's the end of it. But what if you don't you're, want to? What, what if you're at 18 and you have a totally other career, a total other career path in mind? Well, I, I, I suppose they could come to some uh, agreement that they, 
they've ranged. Which no, but what I mean is, if you do your leaving cert and you want to go to college and you want to study computers or you want to study medicine or you want to study law, yeah, yeah. would you expect that people would do their two-year service first? No. If they have a, if they have a job, then like, I'm talking about people that are sitting at home and they have no jobs and they can't get jobs ah, okay. and they're not qualified for these kind of things. Like, these are the kind of jobs that's, that would suit them in the army and the navy. So people who are you know long-term I mean? unemployed, you say? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. I see. Anyone yeah. that has a job, then is staying in their job, like you know, yeah. like like a lot, a lot of defence forces. You can do the, uh, computers, chefing, engineering, welding courses. You can do all those type of things in the army and the navy. Yeah. Hmm. France used to have a system, didn't they, where you could do civil work? Yeah, uh, yeah, the they military. Did it. And yeah, yeah, they had to do that for a while. I don't think it's there anymore now. Fergal's is checking it. Jerry, you know, in in terms of your time in the defence forces, you did twenty six years. You saw overseas service, I take it. No, I've never been overseas. Well, you never no. overseas because I was going. Oh, you never, you never did Lebanon or any of those places, no? No, no, no. no? Okay, okay. Um, that's not mandatory, by the way, in case anyone's wondering. You don't have to. You have to no, no, that's that. voluntarily. Yeah, yeah. But what I meant was, that, like, Lebanon, Lebanon has been a, a conflict region. It's where the Irish Army go. They're recognised as the best as the best in the world, and I've visited it myself and met people out there at the highest level, and they say the Irish Army are the best in the world at what they do in places like like Lebanon, Lebanon. But if we were members of NATO, it would be a much different role. Like, Jerry, would you go to war tomorrow if you were a young soldier again? If, if, I, had, if I had to, I, to save lives, yeah, I would. Would you send a son to war? If he's, if he's that age, yes. 18 to 19. But that would be up to him, Mike. Have you? Have you? I can't make that decision for him. Sure. Sure, but you believe, and you're, this is based on a, a career in the Defence Forces, you believe NATO would be a good thing for us to be part it, of? It, be, it would be a good thing because young people would get to see parts of the world that they've never seen before. Yeah. Like, NATO, NATO isn't, isn't like a country, NATO isn't a force that going to war with every, every country. And if, NATO's kind of a peace reaction force as well, like. Mm. Yeah. yeah you, you, you mentioned about whether you'd have your son go to war, like if there was conscription, he wouldn't have a choice in the matter. He w- he wouldn't have a choice in the matter. Mm. You know, it's... it's. And you'd be okay with that, would you? I'd be okay with that. Mm. Even my da- if I, my daughter was at the age of 18, well, they're, they're well trained. Mm. Yeah. You know? Like as I go, like they're saying, like they're, they're nearly the best in the world, as you said, at the peacekeeping and, and the actions concerned to it, we're, yeah. we're, we're, ra- we're ranked as being up there among the yeah. best in the world, and our, our, our personality uh, yeah. and our grit and determination goes, goes a long way towards it. Jerry, you've started a conversation, you've done it at the very end of the programme, and I'm very happy to come back to it. But Jerry served in the military for 26 years and never went overseas, that was his choice entirely, but believes that it would do be no harm if we joined NATO. He also believes that there should be some mandatory service for young people, two years for young people, unless they've got another career. 
two years mandatory service for young people uh, after they leave school if they don't go straight into a job or if they don't go straight into a career or indeed if they do go into a job maybe they could do that job within the army we start at the end of the show with a conversation uh, happy to come back to it tomorrow at 083 396 96 96 I mentioned that report or that piece in the Times that Fionn Davenport did about red flags when you're buying online I might as well finish with some of them he got caught he was selling a push bike an old bike of his in Goodnick on Facebook Marketplace and he got caught by one of these courier scams uh, I would call it the courier con and there was a list of 10 things if a product seems very cheap if something is too good to be true then it probably is that's an obvious one if someone tells you they can't collect or receive the goods themselves you should start asking yourself some questions be very very wary of couriers in fact avoid them don't rent a property unless you actually physically see it and have keys in your hand. If you're asked to go to another platform like WhatsApp, be worried about that. If somebody asks for money like a gift card or a voucher, leave that alone. Never pay in advance or even for a deposit. If someone says they've inadvertently overpaid you, run. Do not give it back to them. Um, Make decisions calmly. Don't don't be rushed into something by a person who says they're under pressure. And if you're worried about the wording of something, Google it. I got emailed early one morning recently with something that was a little concerning, shall we say. Now, what we do here is we, we notify our own IT department if you get an email that you can... What the hell is that? But I also lifted some of the copy and googled it and straight away within 30 seconds I had reassured myself that this was a complete and total scam and to ignore it but the courier con is a very common one these days if there's a courier suggested avoid and the other one is this thing about uh, ma'am this is me from another phone and I think for the laugh and because she thought this and the queen bee came up with this this morning and I thought you know what this is worth a second read so she got one of these Emma, texting off a friend's phone, went out last night, dropped me phone and broke it. Have to get it fixed later. I have a new number, etc., etc. Make sure to save it and text me. I need to ask you something. So my missus wrote at 7 o'clock this morning through bleary eyes and bed hair. She said, hey pet, hope you had a good night. That's desperate about your phone. Sure, there's a new phone too. You won't believe what happened to me last night. I only got arrested again. I swear I didn't know he was undercover. Any chance you could send me your bank details so I can get bail? <laughs> Love you too, ma'am. <laughs> That's it. Program edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Thank you for joining the conversation in whatever way you did. And we're back in the morning just after nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.